Hello, everyone. I'm Dalton Britta. I'm Nick Eric. Yeah. And we are the Movie Knights. Well, some of them. If you're watching this because you want to hear our uncensored, uh, unfiltered thoughts and opinions in the world of movies and entertainment. So kick back, relax, and the Movie Knights Roundtable begins now. Another week, another show. How's it going, bro? Good. How about you, my friend? Doing good. Doing good. We got a very wide selection of stories this week. It is a very wide selection. You know, normally they kind of like, you know, they're not swinging for the fences in too big of either direction. But man, there's some doozies this week. Yeah, they they got us this time for sure. But hey, either way, I'm excited. Mm -hmm. It's going to be it's going to be a good time regardless. So uh, let's go ahead and dive right into the movie news section of our show. This is where we kind of dive into the trades and figure out the big new movie news topics happening and bring them to you, the people. Nicholas, what do we got up first? First story comes to us from Variety, and it's about our beloved AMC theaters. Oh. They make movies better and more expensive. <laughs> Fuck you. That was good. Uh, at your next visit to AMC Theaters, getting a prime seat may cost you a little extra. The country's largest exhibition chain is rolling out Sightline at AMC, a ticket pricing initiative based on seat location within the auditorium. Similar to music concerts, sporting events, or Broadway, moviegoers will have the option to pay more or less for admission, depending on where they choose to sit in the venue. Dumb. So I have two thoughts when it comes to this. I have my selfish thought, which is, haha, it doesn't affect A-listers, I'm good. That I have that selfish thought. Oh. It's, it happened. Cool. Right. <laughs> oh, you didn't know that? No. <laughs> No, no, no. It, if you, if in the article it says like if you have a list, it doesn't apply to you. Sweet. <laughs> All right, I'm good. Next story. <laughs> <laughs> but then my other thought is, wow, this is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And not only that, if you read every reaction to this news, not a single one has been positive. I'm hoping that they change their mind. Hopefully, by the time the episode even airs, I hope they change their mind. And this episode is worthless because that's <laughs> happened before. No, but uh, I. Here's what I think about this. Mm-hmm. They're trying to do the thing of like, oh, it's like a concert like this. Yeah. The point of the concert is to not look at the screen. (laughs) It's to look at the person. That's why you pay more to be closer. It doesn't make any sense. And like, here's the thing about movie attendance. It's not going well. It's not bad. It's gotten better since COVID's died down a bit, but it's still not to where it should be. So they sit in offices and go, let's make the movie going experience more difficult even though we're struggling in sales already so instead of enticing people who haven't come back to the movies yet to start coming back it's hey let's make the people who i've already chosen to come let's push their limits and see if we can get them to stop i almost feel like it's their goal to get us to stop going Mm -hmm. and this this fascinates me i don't like it it's kind of you know it's funny it's um you know back in like shakespearean times Mm -hmm. when you would go to the auditorium the closer you were, the cheaper it was because the, uh, the royalty wanted to be as high up as possible. Yep. But you were so much closer to the stage, like a concert. I think it's funny that to actually be close to the stage now is more expensive. Yeah. Uh, in terms of concert venues and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as AMC theaters go, I the only <laughs> reason that AMC almost didn't go bankrupt is because it became a meme stock yep. and it made a fuck ton of money because yep. of it. Yep. And you're going to sit there and then be like, I bet we can get it lower than it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, this this fascinates me. Like they were given a golden egg of survival yeah. in this meme stock. Yeah. And then they're just gonna shit it out. Yep. Yeah. Like I no no no, but he, here's what's annoying. Mm-hmm. I'm worried because if it doesn't change, like if they don't change their mind, mm-hmm. other movie theater chains will follow. I gotta tell you. Beyond shocked, Cinemark hasn't announced something similar yet. I need to text my people on the inside and see if they've heard about if they think it's dumb. Now, granted, I'm going to do something, Nick, that I never thought I'd do. I'm going to compliment Cinemark on the show. Their new CEO, Sean Gamble, Mm -hmm. new. He started a few years ago. Started after I left. Yeah. Smart, respectful guy. Like, even when I worked there, people in the company wanted that guy to become the CEO. Mm -hmm. So, hopefully, he doesn't make this bad choice. Because the old CEO would just do whatever AMC did all the time and do it worse. Like, it's not like they... I'm not going to get on this, but mm-hmm. <laughs> there's still unbridled rage there. <laughs> but I think the solution is either they go back on this or the other movie theaters do it. And I don't want the other movie theaters to do it too because I just got my beta for Movie Pass and I want to go to the other theaters. Which, by the way, I can now invite people to join if you want to join. Well, how does that work then, too? Are you going to be charged an additional surcharge That's, on the Movie Pass? I don't know. Yeah. I don't and know. did they cover that? I, no idea. There's so many logistical questions. Also, it looks like the initiative it says kicked off on Friday. Yeah. At select AMC locations in New York, Chicago, and Kansas City and will be expanded to all domestic AMC locations by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much of a rollout they're going to do or if it's just going to be like June 12th. Yeah. We'll see. I think they're going to see how successful it is now. Mm-hmm. It won't be. Well, yeah. well, here's the thing. It will. For 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 the big movies it will. It it will and also only because I think it's that thing of like gas prices can be expensive, yeah. Because you need gas. Are mm-hmm. people going to go to the movies regardless? That are like us, you know. Here's what I think their thought is, but I don't think this was the way to do it. Their thought is, yo, let's break the record as to how many people have signed up for a list, mm-hmm. and they decided to do it by doing this. Yeah, not a good plan. Well, there's also the sort of. Like, the people that go to the movies frequently probably have a sub- subscription pass just from the savings value. Yeah. But if you were someone that doesn't go to the movies a lot, right, and you were like, you know what, I'm going to go out for the big ones, I would like to pay an additional $5 because I go to one movie a year, and I want to be front and center for Ant-Man Quantumania. Yeah. You know, is it one of those things, you think, where it's like, they're expecting the masses to have the subscription, but then the individuals to... Well, well, the, I think this is marketed for people who don't go to the movies very often. Mm-hmm. Like, that's who yeah. this is, because that's most of the people who go to the movies. Yeah. Like, people like us who go every week, like, that's a rarity. Like, like you can go cheap, or if you want to make it a luxury date night, yeah. you can spend a little... Yeah. But I, I just don't like that. I think that they're trying to have their cake and eat it, too, with A-List, of like, oh, just sign up for A-List and you don't have this problem, mm-hmm. when just market A-List. Maybe instead of showing me Nicole Kidman when I'm already there, maybe put it online once. Hey, don't you ever disrespect the <laughs> Nicole Kidman ad, okay? I I think it's great. I just think they should show it outside the theater I'm already at. I disagree. <laughs> and do you want to know why I disagree? Why do you disagree? Because if you go to any theater, people applaud at the end. Mm-hmm. And that 
enhances your movie going experience it gets you in that state of mind for entertainment yes and i think it's genius for that i'm not saying remove it yeah i'm just saying don't let that be the only place i see it like it should be their super bowl ad yes it should have been (laughs) absolutely that's why you get nicole kidman yeah uh but anyway Uh. What do you guys think about AMC fucking up? Uh, let us know in the comments as we move on to our next story. Nick, what do you got for us next? <laughs> our next story comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. Jurassic World director Colin Trevorrow has teamed up with Charmaine DeGratte, a writer and co-executive producer of HBO's House of Dragon, to take a trip to Atlantis for Skydance. It's a pretty good... uh band name right there atlantis for skydance yeah that is anyway good. skydance <laughs> has closed the deal with trevorrow to direct and produce a feature that is being titled atlantis with degrati on board to write the screenplay one atlantis i love underwater cool shit mm-hmm. I've, al- I've always have you know i'm kind of like james cameron in that way it's the only way i'll ever be like james cameron it won't be because of filmmaking and um i just think that the ocean hey, shit's cool you could be a dick to reporters <laughs> <laughs> i can you know what i can be like james cameron no but uh i think that um that concept excites me regardless, and then I find out Colin Trevorrow was making it. He- here's what I'll say about Colin Trevorrow. I have a theory about Colin Trevorrow. Go on. I think this guy has just had some of the worst luck imaginable <laughs> when it comes to getting screwed by movies and by studios, right? Here's what I mean. This man made a movie called Safety Not Guaranteed. It's an indie movie with Aubrey Plaza, and it's great if you've never seen it. It's a great movie. Because of that, he gets Jurassic World. Jurassic World... By the way, the first one, I enjoy it. I thought it was a really fun, really good movie. Is it Jurassic Park? No. But I thought it was a great summer movie, and it wasn't bad, mm-hmm. right? Breaks, at the time, the opening weekend box office record makes stupid money. So now Colin Trevorrow's like, oh shit, he's like a big director name now. Does he do Jurassic World 2? No. He wants to do his own little indie movie called Book of Henry. However, indie, it's more of a studio movie. However... He also landed Star Wars Episode Nine, which we now know was going to be titled Duel of the Fates. And was rad. He, yeah, and the script's rad. He's loving life right now. He makes Book of Henry. He takes some swings, some creative swings, tries something new. Movie doesn't turn out well critically or financially. So much so, in fact, that Star Wars takes away Episode Nine from him because they were on their Star Wars thing where they would do that to people, a la Josh Trank. They were very reactionary during that time yes. period. And then... He's like, well, shit, I need to do something here. So then he makes Jurassic World 3, in which he's been very vocal about how it's not the movie that he wanted to really make and that the studio kind of messed with it a bit. So this man, in a row, just got screwed, 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 took a creative swing, didn't quite work, screwed, screwed. I'm teeing this up to say, I hope Atlantis is fucking great, and I hope that Colin Trevorrow crushes it. Well, it looks like reading, uh, digging into the article a little more, he kind of got screwed again because, I mean, I'll go into the positives of of it, but Mm -hmm. Atlantis was previously in development at Universal, and Universal returned the project to Javaro in turnaround. Yeah. (laughs) So not only did they say like, hey man, come back into Jurassic World 3, we're going to fuck with it a bit, you know, we're going to interfere, but like, (laughs) probably set him up of a... But you can do your Atlantis movie. Yeah. And then we're like, hey, thanks. Actually, yeah, we don't want your Atlantis <laughs> yeah. movie. And then it's and it's not like he did shitty. I mean, the movie is not great, but it made over a billion dollars. Yeah, he's given them nothing but successful things. Yeah. I mean, Book of Henry. I don't yeah. know who yeah. the company that was under. I don't remember. It might have been Universal. I but, mean, Jurassic yeah. World and Jurassic World 3 all did so well. Yeah. 
And they shouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but th- that's yeah. the thing, right? He just keeps getting screwed. Mm-hmm. So I hope this movie's great. Well, what's interesting about it, too, is the uh, writer and co-executive producer, the Charmaine DeGrati, because looking at... I, mean, I think that's how it's pronounced. That's the e accent over the E. Um, sh- uh, they're on board to write the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they recently just produced house of dragon which i've heard is fantastic yeah and not only that they are also producing um uh a show called um daisy jones and the six which looks really good starring riley kyog on um i think it's hbo max or amazon amazon Mm -hmm. um and i've heard a lot of like acclaim for it already on social media that people are looking forward to this project as well as they are uh, co-executive producing the Acolyte mm-hmm. at Star Wars. Yep. So they have a lot of projects coming out um, that <laughs> have gotten acclaim or are getting acclaim or have hype around them. Like, I'm very excited for the Acolyte. Yeah. Because that's the Sith-based show, right? Uh-huh. Which we haven't gotten before. Uh-huh. So you have someone who has a very good track record thus far. I say that they've had one thing actually out. <laughs> um. <laughs> And a director who's made these big budget mm-hmm. movies before who knows their way around it yeah. and make money. But why Atlantis? We have two Aquaman, one Aquaman and another Aquaman movie coming out. We just had Avatar. We Black just had Panther Avatar. Two. We just had Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Like, do you think it's going to be a tired trope by the time we get to this? I hope not because I want success for Colin. And what do you do? What do you do different? Like, it's just Atlantis. Okay. What's the story? Is it going to be a political thing like I, House of Dragon? I don't know? know. I think we'll find out. Yeah. And hopefully it works. Mm-hmm. That's all we can say. That is all we can say. Hopefully it works. What do you guys think about Colin Trevorrow directing a new Atlantis movie? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our next story. Nicholas, what do you got for us next? Our next story is a big one here. Coming uh, to us from Variety. A Spider-Man noir live action series is in the work at Amazon. Variety has learned exclusively the untitled series, probably will be titled Spider-Man noir, (laughs) uh, will follow an older grizzled superhero in 1930s New York City. An individual with knowledge of the project says the show will be set in its own universe and the main character will not be Peter Parker. So before we get into it, we have not discussed this beforehand, by the way. I just know this man sitting across from me. Nick, I'm going to let you do your plea to Amazon and to Sony. You have as much time as you need. Go. Fucking let Nick Cage do it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That is the easiest decision you could ever make. He's the animated version of the character in a yep. multiverse story that Sony is clearly setting up. Yep. He has spoken numerous times about how much he actually loves the Spider-Man noir character <laughs> and that his on separate occasions has mentioned that like his favorite actor is like James Cagney and mm-hmm. all those old school noir yep. tough guy badasses. Let him channel them then. <laughs> He's Nicholas fucking Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I, I agree wholeheartedly, by the way. I hope there is a universe in which somehow they get the fucking movie star Nick Cage to do the show. But there's a couple interesting things in the article. Mm-hmm. One. We know that Am- that Sony's using Amazon to kind of build their live-action Spider-Man stuff, especially because um, we, we heard about Silk, which is happening over there. Yeah. 
although we've heard that that might be in the Venomverse, they're very clear that this is set in its own universe, which I think is interesting. I wonder what the crossover plans are there. I'm just assuming there are crossover plans because of the world we live in. Maybe not. Maybe it just does its own thing forever, which would be cool, too. I hope the whole show's black and white. I hope so, too. I hope they take the creative swing on that. I hope so, too. They know the lead character's not Peter Parker. I'm sure that's probably because of just, like, a pretty please don't from Marvel, even Mm -hmm. though they could if they wanted to, probably. Um, But, uh, yeah. How cool would it be if Spider-Man Noirs is Secret Wars? <laughs> Did they ever set up... I don't remember offhand. Does he actually, in the Spider-Verse movie, does he say he's Peter Parker? I don't remember, actually. Or is he just Spider-Man Noir? I don't remember. Because if he does say Peter Parker, I feel like the Nick Cage thing might be out the window. No. Continuity, schmontinuity. Yep, yep. Um, I think it's weird that it's not Peter Parker. Personally, eh. oh, I don't well. know. I, I'm fine with it. I mean, what this tells me, though, is that Sony is taking their deal with Amazon very seriously. Yeah. And I would be very skeptical, as I have been, of Sony and Spider-Man in the past, even though I think they've made the two best Spider-Man movies, personally. Yeah. <laughs> the Really, the only thing that makes me excited about it, because of that skepticism, is that Lord and Miller are very involved in executive producing both of these shows. Yeah. Also, Angela Kang's the showrunner for Silk, and I love Angela <laughs> Kang. She saved The Walking Dead. Yes. I, I, I will take your word for it. I still refuse to go back and watch more of it. <laughs> There's 24 episodes left, and I have to watch the last season. I'm just waiting to binge it. Uh... But Spider-Man Noir fucking cool character you know i i wholeheartedly agree i am very excited about spider-man noir and i i think that this is a good opportunity for sony i think it's a good opportunity for amazon and i'm curious as to how it's going to play in their wider story if there is one because what is what is so sony's got sony's got across the spider-verse coming out in june right mm-hmm. we've got madam web next year and uh craven. And we got craven this year i think we'll get a craven spot today no i i think craven, craven might have got pushed till next year oh did it Either the end of this year or early next year. Oh, here, I'm on it. Um, And then Venom 3's gearing up, I remember reading, right? Yes. And you have the Morbius of it all. I'm very curious what their interconnected story is going to be, especially since I'm shocked that Spider-Man Noir isn't set in like the 30s of the Venomverse. Yeah. So apparently right now, Craven's set to come out this October. No, we wouldn't get a spot for it then. Nope. That's too far nope. out. Interesting. The Madam Web is next year. Well, if the rumors about Madame Web are true... Yeah, that's that would be fucking gnarly. That would be interesting to see. Um, yeah, I wonder what their greater plan is. I mean, I'm fine with just individual Spider-Man stories. I don't have any issue with that. Yeah, same. Give me Give me a Spider-Ham movie. Oh, yeah, do it. Absolutely. But if it's not John Mulaney, I will write. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you need to see Last Wish. John Mulaney's voice acting in Puss in Boots is that's, so fucking good. You're not good. the first person to tell me that. Yeah, I've um, heard it's great. Apparently, Spider-Man Noir also appeared in uh, the animated series Ultimate Spider-Man with uh, Milo Ventimiglia voicing him. Milo Ventimiglia? Milo. Milo. (laughs) Hey, now. You made me rethink it for a second. I'm like, wait, did I mispronounce it? With uh, Nicolas Cage obviously voicing him in that. Yeah. Speaking of Sony Marvel Spider-Man stuff, can I do a quick aside real quick? Sure. Did you see what John Leguizamo just kind of threw out casually yeah. in an interview? Yeah, yeah, tell the people. So John Leguizamo, the original Luigi. Um, <laughs> Don't ever fucking introduce <laughs> him like that ever again. He deserves so much better than that. The voice of Sid the Sloth from Ice Age? That's better. <laughs> Scrooge you. from Violent Night? <laughs> okay, I feel respect has been given. Go on. 
He was just casually in an interview promoting something and was like, yeah, I was uh, I was Vulture for a minute. And the interviewer was like, what? He goes, yeah, you know Michael Keaton's character in <laughs> Spider-Man Homecoming? He goes, I had a contract signed. I had the script. <laughs> and they were like, elaborate. And he goes, yeah, they gave it to Keaton. He passed. They came to me. I accepted. And then Keaton wanted it back, and they asked if I'd give it up to him. And I said, okay. And it was because they offered him another part, and then he said it wasn't meaty enough, so he declined it. Which, okay, John Leguizamo. Well, I mean, if you're John Leguizamo, and you you probably got offered shmoney for to Vulture, be Vulture, yeah. and then they're like, here's another part for way less. It's like, what? I, no. <laughs> you know? I bet they offered him Cleary. Maybe. I could totally see it. I could it. see it, too. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm going to be completely honest for you, for, with you for a second. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Michael Keaton... Probably my second favorite actor after Nicolas Cage. Probably. Vulture, probably my favorite MCU villain. Uh-huh. Vulture's always been like one of my favorite Spider-Man villains regardless. No. And I think he gave a phenomenal performance. I think he started the trend of you see Marvel take their villains more seriously because I remember that was a critique. No. I kind of see it and I think it could work. It would have worked. I think so. It would have really some, worked. I think there's some multiverse with John Leguizamo. Why couldn't he be Vulture and fucking Morbius? It would have made more fucking sense than what they did. Okay. <laughs> and and the, so <laughs> I, I was talking to, I think it was Kyler about it yesterday. Yeah. Because he was like, what really? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, and here's the thing. MCU, Vulture, absolutely. Michael Keaton, grade A actor, grade A performance. When you start getting into the Sony-verse, I totally see John Leguizamo in, like, yes. with that. I'm like, I feel bad for Michael Keaton. I would have been like, yeah, it's John Leguizamo. Yeah. Like, yeah, this this is who they would get. Yeah, same. I fully agree. Sorry, that was a quick aside, but I needed to get that out. Yes, I'm glad you <laughs> did. People needed to know. They need. They did need to know. They needed to know. But uh, what do you guys think about these live-action Spider-Man Noir series coming to Amazon? Let us know in the comments as we move on to the B-roll section of our show. What's the B-roll? Well, it's an extension to the movie news section of our show, but we didn't have time to dive into these as full topics, but we wanted to give you the headlines so that you're still up to date with what's going on. Nicholas, what's first up on the B-roll? First B-roll comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. Andy Samberg, yes. Gene Smart, yes. Team for Amazon Studios Comedy, yes. Title, 42.6 years. Director, Craig Galepsi from Cruella and I, Tanya. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, what this is, is um, the story centers on a young man, Andy Samberg, who, in order to save his life, undergoes an experimental procedure in which he's cryogenically frozen. When he wakes up 42.6 years later, like the title of the movie, <laughs> physically unchanged thanks to being frozen, he finds himself alone in a future with no one to turn to but his ex-girlfriend, who's now much older than him, played by Gene Smart. This is nothing but fantastic news across the board, and it's going to be great, and I can't wait. It's going to be incredible. I'm so excited for <laughs> yes, it. it's going to be great. What you got next for us on the B-roll? Next one comes to us from Variety. Uh, Disney has just announced a slurry of new projects, uh, including uh, Toy Story 5, Frozen 2, and Zootopia 2, amid 7,000 layoffs. <laughs> Hopefully those layoffs go to paying their VFX team more for these big-budget movies. It won't, but we, should, we can only hope. <laughs> we can only hope. But... Do you want a Toy Story 5? Here's what I'll say. No, but I didn't want Toy Story 4, and I love Toy Story 4. <laughs> but the thing is, do they get, do they get, do they, do they involve Woody? Because he kind of fucked off, you know? Do you think it's with I, the rest of the group? I don't know. Listen, honestly, the one I'm most excited for is Zootopia 2. I love the first Zootopia movie. Can I, can I tell you something? Yeah. Never seen it. You've never seen Jason Bateman's a fox. I know. <laughs> I know. And I love how you were just ready to let me know that. Alan Tudyk. Voices a character named Duke 
Weaselton. Because in Frozen, he played the Duke of Wesselton. That's all you had to fucking tell me that Alan... I'm going to go watch it right now. There's also a whole Godfather sequence. Good. Very funny. Good. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it from that. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Well, guys, that's the B-roll. <laughs> Thank you Ta-da. so much for being a part of it as we move on to the box office. Box office, box office, box office. Section of our show. So we're recording this very early sun- Super Bowl Sunday morning, and the full... Um, estimates for the box office are not out yet. Mm-hmm. So I have to jump around from a couple places and calculate around what the top five are going to be. But don't worry, I will put the final Monday numbers in the description of, of the video as I always do. But it is an interesting one. Do you want our predictions? I would like our predictions, yes. Alright, so Dalton, you had Magic Mike, Knock at the Cabin, 80 for Brady, Avatar, Titanic. I had Magic Mike, Knock at the Cabin, Avatar, 80 for Brady, Titanic. Interesting. We were both wrong. <laughs> did Titanic not even clear it? No, it did. Oh. but he, he, So here's what happened, guys. Mm-hmm. And again, I have to jump back and forth for this. Yeah. So coming in number one was Magic Mike, which as of right now is estimated to make about 8.2 to $8.5 million. Mm-hmm. Coming in second, Avatar making $7 million projected. Coming in third, Titanic. <laughs> making $6.4 million, which, by the way, before this weekend, Avatar 2 passed Titanic, and now I think Titanic is going to pass it again <laughs> with this release. I don't know what's worse, James Cameron competing with himself or Disney competing with themselves. Every time. Um, so that's, that's three. Uh, number four, it's looking like 80 for Brady with 6.3, mm-hmm. around $6.3 million. And uh, number five, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. I can't Knock of the these. Cabin dropped 63%. I can't keep up with these box office anymore. <laughs> and listen, I now granted, this is all over the place. I'm jumping back and forth. We could yeah. tune in later and it's like fucked. If it's really different and I haven't edited the show yet, I will just come in right now and like give you the real top five. I like the concept of you also saying that now and keeping <laughs> how much in shambles it was. Yeah. yeah. There's no way I'm actually going to do that. I'm so fucking lazy, you guys. There's no way. <laughs> They'll be in the description. <laughs> they will be. But uh, But yeah, either way, that's fun. You want to do predictions? There's not really a whole lot to dive into there. Yeah, there really isn't. Yeah, I can do predictions. Hold on. I'll get my notes out here. I can tell you that Magic Mike was made on a budget for, I think, 30. Okay. So we'll see where that goes because it's not a full wide release. Yeah. All right. Dalton, do you want to go first? I would like to go first, yes. Go on. Uh, number one, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. <laughs> what? Yeah, can you believe that? Go on. Number two, let me see if I'm going to be... Schwabby here. Nothing wanted to go out against Ant Man, right? That's what I'm confirming. Do we th- do we think Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey is going to make enough to be in the top five? Probably not. Um. No. All right. So number one, Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. I know they were they were expensive tickets. They were. Number two, I'm going to keep Magic Mike. Number two, Magic Mike's Last Dance. Okay. Number three, Avatar. Number four, 80 for Brady. Number five, Knock at the Cabin. I think Titanic is a one and done with Valentine's Day week. Mm. 
How long is it in theaters for, though? I think it's just like a re-release, so yeah. it'll stay. Okay, I'm going to go Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. How much, Avatar made seven. Mm-hmm. How much did 80 uh, Magic make? Eight. I'm going to go Avatar. <laughs> I'm going to go Magic Mike. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go... How much did 80 for Brady make? Six. I'm going to go 80 for Brady. <laughs> and you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. <laughs> Let's have some fun here. Let's do it. I'll do it. Why not? Yeah. So here's one more prediction for us. Yes. Is Ant-Man clearing 100 on the three-day weekend? Yes. I think so, too. I think there's a lot of hype. I saw a hysterical fake social media reaction mm-hmm. that said, it's the best movie of Phase 5. Paul Rudd is Ant-Man. <laughs> Uh, Jonathan Majors is king. That's so funny. <laughs> it is a movie with direction and visual. <laughs> I was crying. We should start doing those. That's funny. <laughs> but yes, that is the um, chaotic box office for you guys. Again, I will put the final numbers in the description uh, mm-hmm. when the video is up. So don't worry. And now we're going to move on to the movie review section of our show. And this is going to be fun. Because <laughs> we saw Magic Mike's Last Dance. Magic Mike 3 which was supposed to be an HBO Max movie, which mm-hmm. they, thank God, promoted to a theatrical release to at least 1,500 theaters. So not full wide, but mm-hmm. half wide, I'd say. I love this movie. I just want to go ahead and throw <laughs> that right off the bat. Really, really like this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, of my 2023 movies, it's my favorite of the year so far, but I do want to mark that I have not yet seen Plane. <laughs> just let that be clear. It's a good point. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, how much I like the movie is where we're probably going to... Mm-hmm tussle but i thoroughly enjoyed the film nicholas what do you think of magic where Mike's would you put it on the ranking i think it's my favorite of the trilogy i think you're insane see i knew that this was gonna happen <laughs> and here's the thing i thought about it i really sat on it yeah i thought about magic mike a lot this week he rewatched them <laughs> like i did in anticipation i did because hannah had never seen them mm-hmm. and what i like about first of all what a franchise <laughs> just want to say every movie is so uniquely different i was gonna say that that's every what's cool about movie it is yeah. great like the first one is like this grounded like very human realistic story mm-hmm. uh, almost like a la like fucking clerks like magic mike feels very the first one feels very like down to earth mm-hmm. in your face in a good way really Ma- in your face yeah hey magic mike 2 i liken it to the expendables 2 where it's just a bunch of people having fun and they know what the movie they want to make is and they just went out and did it. And by the way, the cinematography in Magic Mike 2 is unfucking real I just want to throw that because no one ever talks about that. The, in which it was shot by Steven Soderbergh. He didn't direct it. That movie... Wait, he shot it? Yeah. I didn't know that. Whenever Soderbergh does a lot of stuff on a movie, he does pseudonyms. So, he doesn't, so you don't see his name everywhere. Mm. So his like cinematography name is Peter Andrews. Okay. And his writing name is like Mary Ann something, but it's just him. So he didn't direct <laughs> Magic Mike 2, but he, he directed it. Magic Mike 2. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. yeah. But like it's it looks great. Mm-hmm. It's a great fun romp. And then the third one, I liken to Pitch Perfect, where it has a goal. It sets up the story very well. You fall in love with the new characters for the most part. And then it does the thing it promised you at the end. Like, it's just a here you go, here you go. Because Pitch Perfect was like a sports movie for theater people. Yeah. That's how I always saw it in terms of how it's structured. 
and I thought Magic Mike 3 was structured just like that, and I enjoyed it. The butler character in this movie is my favorite movie character in, like, five years. <laughs> He's so great. He's very funny. But, He's very funny. And the Channing Tatum in this film felt more like 21 Jump Street Channing Tatum. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed that. I thought it fit the, where Mike was at in his life. And <laughs> Steven Soderbergh always knows, like, when something is funny. Mm-hmm. And, like, this movie opens with narration. <laughs> and it's so funny. <laughs> like, but it's it's played seriously. But you you know it's supposed to be funny. And yeah. it's great. And the narration, like, goes throughout the movie. It's great. I loved it. And I'm so glad they didn't put it on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. I agree and disagree with a few of your points. Okay. I hated the narration. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> I thought the first one was funny. Yeah. Um, but then as it goes on and it kind of reveals what the narration is, yeah. I wasn't a fan of where that landed. Fair. Like, I thought it would have been funny if it was just in the opening, mm-hmm. just to, like, set up where we're at now. Yeah. But throughout, I thought it was, as with most narration in movies, I think, it mm-hmm. was like, I'm. you're also showing me. Like, the narration wasn't filling in any gaps. Yeah. And I was getting everything visually and from the story that the narration was telling me. Yeah, and it made the narration pointless. Exactly. Yeah. It was kind of like one of those, it's like, do you not trust me to have interpreted yeah. what I just saw? Yeah. Um. Like, even in, like, Ready Player One, I didn't like that narration. Like, I, I'll give you that. I didn't enjoy yeah, that narration either. You know, I think it's most overall. I just don't think, like, uh, Avatar 2 did not like the narration. The, I, I don't want to spoil it. There's a couple movies with narration I like, but it's because the narration is used to trick you uh-huh and but not without cheating the story okay which i think is cool mm-hmm. if i said the example if people who know the movie be like ah yes but mm-hmm. i don't want to in case it spoils anything gotcha but, but yeah um for the most part i liked most of the new characters i mean i love magic mike yeah. naturally um and i really like the butler character mm-hmm. i thought the daughter was really good in it me too um i was not a huge fan of salma hayek's character <sighs> we can fight but it's okay I, they kind of went for this like I don't know femme fatale mystery type vibe mm-hmm. with her, and I don't think it landed to me because I felt like she seemed very sporadic and all over the place yeah. with the things. But it wasn't. I I felt that it was not the intent of the character to be having these massive emotional swings that's fair and i think salma Hayek does a great job of landing those because she's a a terrific actress yeah but like when you look at her like in eternals like Mm -hmm. that could have just stayed throughout Mm -hmm. magic mike like if she kept that kind of tone yeah but it was these you know if it was one thing if she was like on the verge of crisis and i know that a lot of her life had crumbled in the movie yeah but it didn't the emotional swings didn't work for me okay with that and uh obviously in the trailers you know, their kind of romance. Mm-hmm. I bought it in some scenes and then some I didn't buy into. It was kind of back and forth for me. That's fair. Where, where I liked that relationship and mm-hmm. her character being that way is it sets it up in the beginning. I'm all about them. Yeah. And then as you find out more about Sam Hayek's character, mm-hmm. you start to be like, oh shit, I don't know if I can trust this lady. Yeah. And Magic Mike feels like the same way. Mm-hmm. And I thought that really helped the story move along of like, can we trust this person? Can we not trust, like, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, this movie has a bus sequence that's fantastic, a montage. Mm-hmm. Uh, although nothing will ever beat the convenience store scene for Magic Mike 2. That's yeah. the best scene in the entire franchise. And, you know, speaking of the bus scene, that just goes into, I think that this Magic Mike's arc mm-hmm. 
Mike's arc in all three movies is mm-hmm. great. I loved his arc in this movie too, yeah. especially and what mm-hmm. they have him doing and everything. What was missing for me was that sort of camaraderie of all the other dancers. Yes. You know, you have um, uh, Matt Bomer. Yeah. You have uh, Joe Manganiello. You have mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Nash. You have all these people. And part of what the charm of the franchise is. Especially the second movie. Their interaction yes. and all of that. Mm-hmm. And with each individual character, you get to know their personality. You get to know their wants, their desires, kind of their motivations, even amidst all the ensemble mm-hmm. whereas this one didn't have the ensemble yeah and that's fine it doesn't need it but mm-hmm. i think that took away the charm of the franchise for me yeah because i could not tell you one of the dancers names and i don't think any of them headlines and that's that's where i, I completely agree yeah. with you and i think unfortunately covid had a lot to do with that mm-hmm. i think there's a world without covid where it's the same exact movie but the dancers he hires are his people mm-hmm. and i think that would make the movie infinitely better like i think that would have like peak magic Mike movie if that was able to happen yeah they I won't explain how but you do kind of get some of the old crew in the movie which I did appreciate Mm -hmm. but I still like if this is the last magic Mike movie that would suck if that was the last time like that's how I saw the crew it was just very like that that part felt forced and while I did love seeing him and I think that that's when I got that glimmer of that charm and yeah fun exactly but it was like that's all I get yeah no no I I completely see you there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like if, if it's kind of like to me if Expendables five uh-huh. was just Sylvester Stallone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're like, I see your point. This is just a Sylvester Stallone action movie. Then, like, a part of what I like about the Expendables, going back to your Expendables two metaphor, no. I love watching all these stars interact and the ensemble of it all. Yeah, because Magic Mike always felt like an ensemble movie, and yeah. then it just yeah turned quickly. You know, I I agree, and that's the one. It's almost like. Okay, Dalton, you get your favorite Magic Mike movie, but you don't get the crew. Like, it almost felt like I had to make a trade-off. Yeah. Because I feel like from a story perspective, from a character arc perspective, I like both movies. I thought this one was my favorite journey seeing Channing Tatum's character go on. Mm -hmm. And I bought the whole journey all the way through to the end. Like, everything. Yeah. There's even things, like, in Magic Mike 2 where I'm like, okay, I don't buy that, but they're having fun. Like, you know? Yeah. But, like... And what I like about each Magic Mike movie is the way each movie ends you think you know the story of the next one and they just don't do that. <laughs> like yeah. each time it happens that way. Like I love and mild spoilers for Magic Mike 2, <laughs> but I love how Magic Mike 2, they're just like, oh yeah, Dallas took the kid and they went and they did their own show. <laughs> it's just like yep. real quick. And it's like, oh, I guess Matthew McConaughey got really expensive after he won an Oscar. You yeah. know? And no one liked the other actors. So it just kind of happened that way. Yeah. There's only one thing about the front. Going back to just the franchise as a whole, who the fuck color graded Magic Mike one? I want to beat the shit out of them so bad. Why? It's so awful. <laughs> it's so bad. Is it one of Soderbergh's aliases? I don't. I. You know what? <laughs> I should be careful what I say because maybe I don't know. <laughs> but man, um, overall though, I mean, recommend. Oh, enthusiastically recommend. Yeah. I love Magic Mike three. I honestly, I don't know where. I... I sorry. Go ahead. I'll hold on to. Oh, it. Magic Mike One's still my favorite. That's fair. I like every movie. In and the and then I go back and forth now between two and three because I think three overall is a better movie constructive wise, but two yeah. is just so two much so fun, fun that it's yeah. like, where do you? Two is fun. Also, but two's not good enough to become my favorite. Like Expendables Two is. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. I will say this. I'm gonna buy the 4K pack when they release all three of them. Yeah. A thousand percent. 
There's a moment in this movie where they make a pun about the phrase Magic Mike that is so good <laughs> that I almost just left the theater out of respect. It was they. They also had a full title drop that yeah. is one of the best and also worst lines of dialogue I've ever heard. Oh yes, yes. It was so bad, but I'm like, man, they went for it. They did. They went for it, and they went for it early too. They like... went for it immediately, <laughs> and like the cheesiest way they could have done it. Oh yeah, and it. But it was great. It was great. Yeah. Yes. Enthusiastically recommend Magic Mike's <laughs> Last Dance. Absolutely. You think there's enough steam in them for a four or no? You think it ends here? If they if they do four, you got to bring the crew back. Yes. You have to. Yeah. I think. And here's the thing. This movie is not getting a lot of love critically. It's about like half, like late 40s, early 50s, Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Blows my mind. I loved it. What did all the loved other ones it. have? I think, you know what? We're going to do some fucking research. Pull up that RT, my guy. I am, dude. All right, here we go. Mm-hmm. So the first Magic Mike got a 78. The second one, XXL, got a 65. And this one has a 46. And that's critically. I just disagree. Hold on. Let's do the fan scores. First Magic Mike, 60. No. Second Magic Mike, 55. No. Third Magic Mike, 76. How was that the highest fan? Fuck yeah, dude. That's what I'm talking about. How is that the highest audience score? <laughs> the audience know. is all women in their 40s. I, yep. And there was not really that much stripping. Yep. You know what it is? It's because with the third one, that's when they implemented the proof that you saw the movie. Mm. There's a lot of people who just wanted women to not have fun in Rotten Tomatoes back then. <laughs> they can't stop them now, though. <laughs> So, yes, highly, highly recommend Magic Mike's Last Dance. Loved it. And uh, I hope they make Magic Mike 4. <laughs> I'll watch it. I would watch it. So, yeah, that's going to that's gonna be it for the show for us today, guys. Thank you so much for watching. As always, uh, we really appreciate everybody. Make sure you follow us on social media, and we'll see you next week.